Anyway, I guess we should start the podcast. Might as well. You in a good mood for this? I'm trying to get there. Okay. You trying to find my romance? Yeah, I've got uh, an Alex Drake that might be able to overboard. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're talking. Do you want to finish that one and then start another one? And then we'll start recording. No, it's a big one. It'll okay. last me a while. Oh, good. Yeah. All right, let's see this. Yeah, let's find our romance. Hi, welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco. And we're doing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind this week, our romance month. Happy Valentine's Day, you freaks. More romantic every week. Mm -hmm. Happy Valentine's Day. Can you feel it? Can you feel it's just drowning in the romance? My goal is to make you cry by the end of one of these podcasts. Explain. Do I need to? Yeah. Oh, I should tell my whole story about Eternal Sunshine, but not yet. Um, do you have a story about making me cry first, you son of a bitch? I said it's my goal. What what <laughs> what else needs it's, explaining? Is this just like uh general in the romance month or just any is that your like edict for any headcanon episode? Just oh no, me- just just for romance month. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you think I'm susceptible to these especially? I don't know. We'll find out. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't think your... I didn't think Denise was susceptible, and then she broke down crying. So great segue. Let's do it. Tell your story. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We wait till after we, we get to the movie. Let's okay. Do, uh... Can't wait for you to take that for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm building up too much now. It's not that great a story. Anyway, uh, what are you watching right now? <laughs> um, I've been kind of bouncing around, catching up on my my usual shows. I watched a little bit of the ABC Murders. As far as something new, nah. What is that? Is that a TV show? That is a mini series. It's uh, have you not heard of this? Um, I mean, it sounds familiar, but it sounds very generic at the same time. Okay, let me give you five words. Are you ready mm-hmm. for these? Sure. John Malkovich as Hercule Poirot. Eh. Exactly. That's exactly where you should be. It's the same writer who did the and then there were none mini series. Uh, maybe she, maybe this is not the best work for her. Yeah, that series was like weirdly boarding house prostitution angle in the book, but it's there. (laughs) I don't know that a lot of the and then there are none BBC series was pretty accurate to the books, as I recall, but it seemed kind of lifeless. Uh, There's a lot that's not accurate to that book. Um, There's no like cocaine binge (laughs) during the book. But um, so the ABC Murders, if I remember correctly, is like one of the earlier Perot books. The whole point of this is that it's like he's well past his prime. And it's like one of those things where most people view him as like, mm, kind like, of like a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, it was like more like he showed up for these like murder parties of socialites and there was never actually real murders. Um, it's just a brutal, bitter, nasty tale. Um, whatever. I've watched two or three episodes at some point. I'll watch the third. Mm-hmm. And then true detective. So I have not watched the latest episode. Hmm. Is it? Is this the? It seems like this is the one where like there's some twists, some wrinkles. Uh, not, not really. Yeah. Um, the end is interesting, but uh, there's a bit that I that I really like. There's a little touch that I like. It's not spoilery. I don't know if I really want to say it because I don't know if it'll ruin your viewing experience. But there's a bit earlier on which is a nice little touch as far as the the three timelines and the memory that I liked. Um, mm. 
there's some really good actors in the show who are just, you know, I just enjoy watching them work in a plot that's just kind of treading water. Yeah. Also, there's Steven. There's who? There's Steven Dorf. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's fine in it. I just, I don't know. I, I've seen these articles where it's like, he's the secret weapon. He's the he's secretly the no. best actor. And it's like, he's fine. No. I don't know. Anyway, what have I been watching? Um, so, like, weirdly enough, completely unplanned. I happen, I've been meaning to, like, catch up on The Good Place because I downloaded season three. I happened mm. to just yesterday watch the episode where uh, Eleanor finds out that she was in love with Chidian in one of the alternate timelines, which seems like weirdly kind of synergistic with Eternal Sunshine here. Mm. Um, I would feel that with, with parts of True Detective and the book we've both been reading. But yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was, I, I think I have like three more left in the season now. I've been enjoying it. I... I don't know. It's it's nice to watch TV that's smart, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what do you listen to? I have been kind of um, just digging back into my iTunes library and just listening to a lot of old songs from relationships past, you know, like mm. my musical diary or whatever. Mm. My, uh, my Rob from High Fidelity phase. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. But oh, yeah, real I quick. Just, I don't on, know if I'm as emotional as you want me to be to get <laughs> crying. Real quick on the good place. Um, I did like the uh, the kind of pastiche of the the hatch opening to Lost. Yeah. Um, the whole bit with uh, whatever that guy's name is. Um, is it Dustin? Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on that guy's name. The uh, the guy who's like figured out the system. Oh, oh, oh. Um. The Michael McKean character, yeah, 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 Michael McKean guy, yeah. I like the yeah. whole Lost thing. It made me want to watch Lost again. Did you hear that there's like kind of uh, talk of rebooting Lost? No, again. I think it was at like the TCAs. They like they did like a whole we have to go back thing, and it was kind of like suggested by like I don't know like the ABC guy or something like that that they were like thinking about it. It's like nothing official or anything, but like it seems inevitable now. You you anti that? You know, I could see, like, if that was a job that I was given, I could see how I would start to try to figure that out. You know, like, I don't think you need to bring back, like, all of the previous characters. I think you'd have to do complete, you just, it's like, it's a new but, show, and it's just called Lost. And, like, the premise is similar-ish, but not exactly the same. But I mean, like, I could see where eventually, like, Hurley and Walt might fit into it, potentially. See, I think you're trying to connect it. I wouldn't try to connect it at all. I'd just be like, we're redoing you're, you're it. Thinking, you're thinking, like, straight up reboot. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and I think I think a reboot could still, you could still say a re- complete reboot is still in universe with the other show. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like. That's the beauty I mean, of you Lost. Could, you could argue that The Good Place is a reboot of Lost. Yeah. Um, the finale of, re- of The Good Place is really, it's really rude of them to like have that finale and then not, you know, have a new season for mm-hmm. another year. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, what am I listening to? Um, what are you listening to? A little bit of stars, a little bit of Set Yourself on Fire, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize had a music video that was 
basically inspired by Eternal Sunshine until I like randomly found it unintentionally clicking through YouTube. Cool. So you just you going back to this era of the sad bastard music you were listening to at the time. Oh, this is my fucking wheelhouse. Mm, mm. Good times. You like a you like a little bit of that Canadian sadness. That's cool. I just my like two pillars of sad bastard in Iraq are like the whole broken social scene like Montreal Collective and then like the Ben Gibbard tree, you know, like him and Postal Service to Jenny Lewis, like that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Just, just give it to me in a blender. I'm trying to think there's no real overlap there with like um the new pornographers is there. I feel like yeah, it's that that is like another wing that I feel like never quite touches either of those. Yeah. Hmm. 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 So I guess hmm. we're both reading the Elizas. How far are you? In? I am. Let me look at my. Let me look at my condol percentage and tell you. Uh, condol. Sorry, I, I, I think you're bootleg Kendall. I listen to a podcast where they keep calling it the condol. Hmm. I am eighty six percent of the way through this. Oh podcast. wow! So you're. I'm like maybe forty percent. So you're way past me. Okay, where are you at? Um. Let me see. I'm trying to. Th- think of what's happening like book versus real life um <laughs> real life she just like went to a bar and like bang some dude and then like in the, oh. in the book it seems like there's definitely a munchausen by proxy thing going on it's like she got mm. to the icu away from her aunt oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah cool um are you enjoying it yeah yeah i uh i wish i had more time to read because yeah I, I don't know i need to just like take that book to starbucks with me or something and settle in I really enjoy the world of the mystery, the air of mystery that just kind of hangs over parts of it. Like it feels very, I read a review that was not very kind to it, but like mm. it does feel very confident to me. Like, I mean, it's, it's some of it's kind of easy to guess some of it. You're not sure. Like, but it feels like, like, like speaking of loss, like there's a sure hand. It's like one of those things. It's like, yeah, you don't know where these pieces are going, but hang on. It doesn't feel like um, you're about to be found like a gotcha mystery per se. I mean, I realize there's like things the main character is trying to figure out, but it it feels much more mood to me, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like. I don't know. This is maybe an unfair comparison because they're very different, but a little like inherent vice the book um, Mm -hmm. where it's like it's as much about the mood as it is about what's happening. Well, I mean, and that's if you're doing your, your psychological piece right, that should be you know, a, 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 an aspect, a side effect is the mood and it's very much there. Um, yeah, I, I've been really enjoying it. Now, maybe we'll both be done with it by the next time we podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah. I want to, um, I want to finish this. And I want to read another one of hers. I don't know what I'm thinking. I think maybe the amateurs. amateurs. I, I think the amateurs I've heard good things about. <sighs> That's the one that, that Caitlin said was good, right? Like, is it, that's what I'm confused because like there's like subtitles to each book. There's like one of them's like the amateurs case closed or something. Oh yeah, I had no idea about what the amateurs is. I just heard the the title and I liked it. Okay, well I I feel like I have to just because of how many times it kept appearing on the bookshelves at the uh, <laughs> rear window room. <laughs> on dull fudge murder. You know yeah. I tried reading one of those. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that you gave me that book to sign, and I just never gave it back. I feel bad for that dude. Sorry, dude. Um, I guess that that is a true cozy mystery. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I couldn't get really get into it. 
I have I have a couple of those like sitting on a on a high shelf in my office. Like every once in a while, I would want to come across my way, I'd grab it and I'd spear it away. And then I looked the other day, and I have like seven. Mm. Um, at some point, we should just do a giveaway on the podcast where we just sign copies of books that aren't ours <laughs> and send them off to people. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we talk about the main event? Uh, why don't we? Eternal Did sunshine you... of the spotless mind. Wait, let me check. Did I bring tears? Yeah, I brought tears. I'm good. Oh, good, good, good. Why don't Say you uh, give us your opening statement? Um, yeah. So it's funny how you, uh, I think it was last week you were, you were talking about how an, an amazing Amy is your kind of girl. Cause you like a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like, I like a, I like a Clementine. I like somebody who's manic pixie dream girl. Anti-manic pixie dream girl, I would argue to a certain degree. <laughs> well, that's she would argue, yeah, yeah. Um, especially since this is prior to the real dubbing of that term. Mm-hmm. She's no uh, whatever the fuck Kirsten Dunst is in Elizabeth Town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, or or I guess the best one would be Natalie Portman in Garden State. Maybe I think, I think that was the um, the, the original dubbing. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I prefer that kind of honesty, that kind of tempestuous grace. Um, I think Clementine gets a raw deal when in comparison to Joel. Um, I, I, I love this movie. I've, I've always loved this movie. It's a movie that made sense to me when I first watched it. It's made sense to me every time I've, I've dipped back into this pool. I love the way it's shot. Uh, it's so lo-fi and interesting, and the work is so subtle and imaginative. I mean, a lot of match cuts for the, the style. Um, I think Jim Carrey's pretty good for a kind of nothing character in this kind of sweet film. I like that it downplays the science fiction of it all. I was reading a little bit about the filming. That's so interesting. Um, but I, I just, I don't know how, if you've ever connected with another person, this can't resonate with you. Like, you know, it's not going to be great all the time. If you found the one in your life, well, great for you. But like, you've probably found a lot of people along the way who weren't the one more than likely you've been one of those people. Lord knows I have. Um, so I, I don't know how it, it can't resonate to somebody in some fashion. There's a lot of pain that's dressed up here that's very relatable. Um, you know, but at the heart of it, I appreciate that it is an appreciation of the time spent with another person, you know, and, and seeing people as they are because I think that's a lot of the problems that folks have in relationships personally is you just, you know, you don't see the person who they are and then you if you do – you want them to stay that way. And that's not how people are. But ultimately, I think this movie, we can all come together on something that we all understand, which is commiserating on our suffering and just dunking on what a putz Elijah Wood is, right? Um, I mean, IRL, I don't have much of a problem with Elijah Wood. He seems like a cool guy. But in this, he's, yeah, what a putz. But uh, what a dream job just to be a bunch of hipsters breaking into people's houses late at night, fucking up their brains, going through their cabinets. That sounds ideal to me. That sounds fucking grand. I would take dates to that. Um, But yeah, just a reminder, every love story eventually becomes a ghost story. So make it a good one. What do you think? Before I get to that, I'm curious, how many times have you seen this movie? I've seen this movie probably six. Mm, Okay times since it came out when did it come out uh, this came out in 04 um interesting enough came out in uh, march 2004 happy 15th anniversary um garden state came out in august so 
the mm. the manic pixie dream girl was just about to spring into being i've only ever seen garden state once that was a movie that i really enjoyed the trailer for i had high hopes and then I, it was a big eh? i mean i <laughs> this guess it? i guess i liked it kind of i don't know yeah i've only seen garden state once um i i preferred garden state when it was remade as uh in the land of women <laughs> I mean, I like Natalie Portman in it. That's really all yeah. I remember about it. Um, and I, I don't like Peter Scar. Sol- is it Sarsgard? I think he's Sarsgard, right? Not a Scarsgard. Oh, so Zach Braff has the original Muppet voice, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I had only seen this movie once. I liked it, but for some reason, never wanted to watch it again. Wow, because of Denise? No, 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 because of that. I'll I'll get to that story in a bit. Um. I don't know. It's. It, I feel like it. It's so. I don't know. It, it's. I think what's most impactful about Eternal Sunshine is how harsh a light it shines on mm-hmm. the kind of unseemly parts of a relationship. Like mm-hmm. you really get to see these characters at like their painful, petty worst. Uh, yeah. It can be pretty uncomfortable to watch, especially you know if or when you recognize any pieces of yourself in these characters. Drink it in. Yeah. Um, I really like the way it kind of subverts so many of the rom com tropes tropes uh, while at the same time joel is kind of trying to keep those tropes alive in his memory with Mm -hmm. his imagined version of clementine there Mm -hmm. um yeah when i watch this i think the ending seems bleaker the first time i watched it than it does now um Mm. i think my read on the second viewing is probably more hopeful about joel and clementine's prospects um Mm. i guess i don't know to me the interesting question about this movie is like did the machine did it is it that the machine didn't work well enough to completely erase their memories or is it that there's something ephemeral and unquantifiable about love that exists you know apart from the chemistry of the brain uh, that's what i was left with watching this movie this time uh, let me just go ahead and say yes mm, okay that answered your question all right um i guess i should tell my denise story now that's been all built up denise the piece yeah so when I went to see this movie, I went to see with one of my old, like former housemates from when I was in college, uh, Denise, as well as another roommate of mine and like a couple other dudes. It's like, it's like four dudes and Denise for some reason. It was all like college friends. Um, mm. And she had previously been dating my current roommate and had broken up with him like that day. Uh, yeah. And she lived in like the Bay Area. I lived in Sacramento, and so like I only did. You saw know her. that at the time? No, it wasn't until we like we yes. met up somewhere in the Bay Area to see this movie. I'm not sure why it was like such an event to see this movie, but it was. Um, and she was like, "Oh, by the way, I, I you know broke up so and so." And it was just like, "Oh wow, are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And I was like, "Like I'd read a few reviews about Eternal Sunshine. Like I I must have been really <laughs> excited to see this movie because it was like a big event to go to it." Um, and I was like, "Hey, um." are you sure you want to see this? Like, I've, I don't know. I like, it seems like it might be a little, you know, a little rough right now. And she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm cool. It's like, okay. So we, we see the movie, we get out, we go to like a Denny's cause that's what you do when you're young. Um, and it's just like, I'm trying to remember the, the seating placement. I think Denise is sitting next to me, if I'm not mistaken. And like other various dudes are all just sitting around like this booth, you know? Um, and it's like, we just got out of the movie. It's like 15 minutes of the Denny's. We're at the Denny's. We've t- placed, taken our orders, you know, like we've been there for like five or 10 minutes. And suddenly Denise just starts crying, just like sobbing. It's like the movie had like emotionally wrecked her, but it, like it didn't catch up until now. And all me and all the other guys are just kind of like, what do we do? 
And it's like, do, how do, do I try to comfort her? Do I do anything? Do I not do anything? And we all just like sat there like a bunch of assholes. And <laughs> she's like just sobbing next to yes. us. And we just sat there in silence. And I think eventually she like got up to go to the bathroom and then came back and she was okay. So that's my Denise story. I just, I hope everyone can be as emotionally wrecked by this movie as she was. It's the, my favorite episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, so right before the movies, when she told you that she broke up with Mac. Yeah. Cool. 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 What I love is you got that. And then I feel like not long after, because of your work schedule, whenever I would come to visit you and stay with you, I would see your roommate before more than you ever would, Mm -hmm. which is great because I wasn't exactly friends with this guy, but it's like, I was spending hours and hours with him (laughs) have fun with that yeah that was that was a fucking blast um and so we're just hanging out just being two dudes who don't really know each other watching dumb movies and stuff and then at one point mac just comes over and he does the thing with the chair he drags the chair (laughs) real close to me and he he, like he flips it around like it's an after school special and he's gonna get real with me and he sits backwards on this chair and he's just like yeah so I broke up with Denise. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he needs to watch Eternal Sunshine. I might have might have suggested it to him. <laughs> All right, let's get to. Here's our, what I like about Mac does. He probably went on Amazon and bought the DVD that night. Yeah. yeah, let's get to our top moments. How many do you have? Um, I have one honorable mention and then three. Okay, I have nine moments that I can bargain wow. down. Six. I, I can, hit whatever you want to hit, man. I, mean, I guess to me, this movie is a, a scene movie more than a moment movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, scenes and moments, I would say. Let me let me bargain down to seven. Is that cool? Thank, go for it, man. Okay, so my number seven. It's when Joel was talking to Rob and Carrie about Clementine, sharing with them what the last time was them was. Mm-hmm. And I love that we jump into a memory within a memory. Also, if you don't know what this movie is about, you're fucked. Oh, spoiler um, alert, by the way, yeah. Yeah, you're fucked. Uh, he eventually runs away from that in the bookstore, and we see him kind of – the lights are like, like going out behind him. The, the memory's collapsing around him, and he just comes in the doorway back into their house. And it's just fascinating like the way the movie works of like moving through space and time mm-hmm. out of one memory into another. I just like it from a, the filmmaking perspective, it's how they, they work it. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, my it's- number six – Yes. Is that the part where David Cross says, what does he say something like, you guys want to smoke some pot? Yeah. What's your fucking great idea, Carrie, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Building this birdhouse. Yeah. <laughs> That's later, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my number six, when they're working, when the when the Lacuna boys are working away, and Patrick just really wants to bare his soul to the Ruffalo, and he's like, it's a little weird, my situation. I don't my think, girlfriend situation. I don't think he wants to bear a soul. I think he wants to confess. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, it's a little weird, my situation. My girlfriend situation. And Ruffalo is just like, I'm sure it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't respect this dude at all. And then there's a great bit, because you're cutting with the Joel's becoming cognizant in his memories of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking, and Patrick's like, remember that girl we erased last week? And yeah, this guy's girl. Yeah, we took care of that. <laughs> There's such a like a twisted humor from like professionals who do a job. I, I just mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my number five. Sorry. Um, the 
just the, the memory of Joel visiting Clementine in the bookstore. The second time he saw her linearly, um, it's the moment that a lot of people remember. It's the Joel, I'm not a concept speech. Mm-hmm. You know, where she uh, says, I'm not a manic pixie dream girl, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and she's just like, I'm just a fucked up girl looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. And then because the way, the conceit of the movie, they relive the moments and then they're able to comment upon them, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, you too, know, too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive. Yeah. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Yeah. She's just like, you know, he's like, I remember that speech well. And she's like, I had you pegged, didn't I? He's like, you had the whole human race pegged. You know, and then just the, I still thought you were going to save me even after that. And she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. So you're number, you're number four. You're honorable mention number one. Um, so is it just that thing where Mary says, oh, you didn't want one, did you, Patrick? When she uh, <laughs> is getting the drinks. I just love how much she hates Patrick. She fucking despises him. It's so juicy. And she, um, I think it's because she, she has taken his measure. Yeah. Well, he's just a, you can imagine what kind of creep that guy's around the office. He's a um, scumbag, like bordering on sex criminal. I feel like. Oh, sure, for sure. Um, because at first I thought Stan didn't come off so hot in this, but then I was like, you know what, Stan, not a bad dude necessarily. Uh, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on Stan. We'll get to him later. Okay, my number four is actually a Stan moment. Um, mm-hmm. the Ruffalo's outside for some air while he kind of knows what's going on of Howard and Mary inside. And then Howard's wife pulls up. She pulls in sideways. And just she gets out of the car like she's just thrown on like a coat over her, like whatever she wears the bed. Just the fucking look she gives Stan is so good. And then he like runs to the horn to try to alert the people inside. She sees them kissing, sees them seeing her. She just like walks over to Ruffalo and just like punches him twice. And it's like, thanks a lot, Stan. Way to go, Stan. <laughs> Way to go, Stan. What's your number three? Uh, number three, when Clementine makes Joel come out on the ice with her near the beginning. Mm, sweet moment. What a, what a metaphor. Ooh, yeah. Well, and there's a giant crack just waiting for them right by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my number three, this moment kind of surprised me, but this is like uh, something that hit me in the rewatch. It's as Joel's trying to fugitive away Clementine into other memories. And he takes her to when she w- when he was a kid and the other kids peer pressured him to like killing the frog <laughs> of a hammer. But he does. He cries. They tease him about having a girlfriend. He's like like filmatically or cinematically he's bouncing back and forth between like being uh, Jim Carrey and like mm-hmm. the little kid. So he finally he's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not scared of you, little kid. And he like runs back to this little kid to give him a hard time. And the kid just like twists his arm and he falls to the ground crying. And then she leads him away and. I don't know. It's it's such a sweet moment. And the soundtrack for this movie is great. There's a great track here from John Bryan called Peer Pressure, which is expanded to another track called The Strings That Tie to You. Yeah. And to make him feel better, she lets him smother her with a pillow. <laughs> and then that turns into a kinky sex game. Uh-huh. I, I have serious questions about their sex life. Do you? All right. Don't well, you? Say, say them. Don't you? We'll, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, so number two, I just really like the line. This is it, Joel. It's going to be gone soon. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the, just the mood and the vibe of that scene, them at the ocean there. I don't know. I like, I like oceans in, in weather like that, you know, like at the beach when it's, it's gloomy outside. I don't know. I just, I, I dug that whole scene there. Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, okay. My number two moment since. It's my podcast too. I like to break the rules. The entire first 18 minutes of the movie. I don't care what anyone says. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I it's 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 a mess. Just like these two. I love I mean, we'll get into it as we get into the movie. I just I mean, I think the first it, time I, was, I does watched this, work, this does it work? Does it work? It totally works. The first time I watched this, I wasn't totally clear on the timeline. It like I kind of like had to like talk it over with my friends afterwards while Denise was crying, you know, to like figure out what exactly went down there. Cause it, it, it's not totally clear at first. It's like, Oh, that's, that was in the, the future or whatever, you know, the present. And then this is all flashback. Look, girls get emotional. And the only way you can ever just talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. Start talking about complicated cinematic timelines. They mm-hmm. love stuff. They love it. It makes them feel better. I hear you. Way to go, Denise. Poor Denise. Um, what's your number one? My number one. Maybe this is controversial. I really like the moment when Mary learns that she had the procedure done to her. I Ooh, just okay. feel like that's such a great twist because it's like you knew there had to be some kind of wrinkle. Like, why mm-hmm. are these other characters focused so heavily on in the movie? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it like seemed clear that like she like had like a, I don't know, kind of like a professor professorial crush, I guess you could say on on her boss there is like, she's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be like a good student or whatever to them. And then it like, the, I just feel like that hits you like a ton of bricks there. And it's like, Oh shit. But this is why she's so obsessed with them. It's super recognizable in the rewatch, right? It would be if I remembered the twist the first time, but okay. I knew there is something there, but I just didn't remember what. And then it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Did you, did you ever read the script? No. Hmm. I know okay. there's like a whole thing where I think like, he made her get an abortion and there's like a lot of extra stuff they cut out. There is. And not just that the original draft was much more sci-fi. Like there was a bookend set in the, the mm. far future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or it was like, it just right. kept happening over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number one, you kind of touched on it is it's the entire first meeting slash goodbye at the beach house. I, I, I'm cheating and I'm doing all of it because it all accumulates. It's such a beautiful moment as they're in the beach house, reliving the moment, confronting what went wrong there. You know, he's talking about how the first time they met and she wanted him to go on an adventure and he freaked out and ran away. And she's like, was it something I said? And he said, yeah, you said, so go with such disdain. (laughs) You know, and he starts to run away and he's like, I, I ran back to the bonfire trying to outrun my humiliation. And she says, what if you stayed this time as they make their goodbye? And then she does her post-hypnotic suggestion, even as a figment of his imagination. She says, meet me in Montauk. And he she, goes to Montauk says, the next day. Martha. Yeah, that's what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess kind of steering into complaints, and this isn't like a major complaint, um, but the fact that she is just his own subconscious, essentially, mm-hmm. I feel like that puts a little bit of uh, put some glass between me and the movie in those scenes because I know I'm really just watching Joel kind of work things out for himself. Who is your Sylvain about? Me. Yeah. Um, and then I like the little moment afterwards as he's literally in the memory driving away. You know, from this this beach getaway and also driving past the relationship. There's such a there's nothing concrete in the visuals as they all mash together like in a dream. But there there's such a rush of emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I mean, where I think I that's where I, I sidestep a lot of normal complaints that other movies would garner because this movie is just I don't know it just captures something that's not not perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it would have been nice to get a little bit more of the quote unquote like real Clementine's perspective. 
but mm-hmm. that's not really what the movie is. So, nope. you know, nope. you just have to live with it. It would be neat to see a a similar movie from Clementine's perspective, but, you know, mm. what are you going to do? Um, I mean, I do think as much as memory is subjective, I think there are times when it's kind of like when they're not kind of breaking the fourth wall of the memory, you can kind of assume that this is more or less how it actually really happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When it's like, he's just like observing a memory. I think you're supposed to get that. Like, yeah, that that's how it went down. Like until they kind of break character there and start talking to each other. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not a huge fan of Joel per se, but I don't necessarily view him as like villainously painting her it, the wrong way. I don't think it's not in memories. I don't think it's like a like a 500 days of summer thing where it's like, "Oh, well, here's how it really went, you know." I mean, I think I think the most damning things in his perception of Clementine comes when he's like sitting in the office for the procedure and just like talking out his mm-hmm. issues. Um, I don't know if I would want to see the Clementine version of this movie. I mean, I would love to see something with a, a real honest Clementine character, but I don't really need to see her version of Joel because damn, damn dude would. Yeah. Obviously she didn't fight to keep Joel. It would seem, Oh, maybe she did. I don't know. We we don't know. As I've been explained to me, some people aren't worth the fight. Mm. All right. Let's uh, move into our general discussion here. Let's do it. I just realized I forgot to move all my general discussion notes into the right document. Oh no. Indeed. Uh, you get a complaint from your neighbor. Yeah, I know. I have to hit my keyboard a few fucking times. Bum, 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 bum. Format your notes right. Why do I fall in love with every woman I see who shows me the least bit of attention? Ugh. Not a fan of that line? Ugh. Hmm. Let's talk about that. I'm sorry, are you a fan of that line? Do you I, fall in love with I think that line, the least bit of attention? I think that line is honest. And what would be the right word? Not applicable, but relatable to a certain time in your life. Mm, okay. For some people, not all people, but some people. Okay. Um, I think I think that the you know the common denominator of a lot of issues we have with men is sometimes, and sometimes it's a very long time in their lives. Men aren't very good at reading signs. Sure. Yeah. But I, I I feel like it would be reductive and shallow to just be like stupid man. Like I feel like it's worth diving a little deeper into like where that's where that comes from. You know, this is obviously a guy with low self esteem. He mumbles. He's bad with people. He's really not likable at all. And no. so it's pretty obvious why he would fall in love with any woman who shows him the slightest bit of attention. Poor Naomi. And that they live together after they seemingly broke up. Oof. Yeah, Jeez. apparently there's like a whole subplot where he like goes and goes back to her and they cut all that out. Mm. I don't I don't need to see Naomi being miserable. I I, I see it in my mind just fine. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Yeah, you're right. I I I totally agree. Like Joel is a an unlikable mopey bastard at times. And I don't know how much of that is based on like having chunks of his memories. I don't think, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. And cause in his memories, he's a real asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and and kind of unfair in some of his estimations of Clementine for sure. Mm-hmm. He's very just dismissive of her every time. Like she, no wonder she looks bad is because she's working a hundred and twenty five percent trying at their relationship. Poor poor Clementine. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean. Every once in a while, it's like I make an awkward glance for somebody in public, and it's like we half smile, and it's just like we don't know what else to do, and then we look away, and I don't think I fall in love with them, per se. Um, I'm thinking of, there's a great quote from Patricia Highsmith about how she smiled at a woman across the uh, department store, and then years later, she realized that woman was probably her soulmate. Um, but I'm also very dense, so people tend to have to make the first move of me because I don't know what's going on. So I, I guess I can't totally relate. Do you find that you fall in love with people who were nice to you? Um. No, but I think there's probably a time in my life where just interacting with, you know, another human being, especially a woman, like you're, I don't know, I I think some people have the kind of brain where they just start like forward projecting possibilities constantly. Like, I don't know if you do that. I certainly do that, you know. Yeah, I've been accused. Mm -hmm. So, but are you saying it's like potentially speaking out of depth of loneliness? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think the problem with loneliness too is when you when you have a break in it, when you have an opportunity to connect with another person, you know, it's like when you haven't spoken in a long time, your voice is a little rough. You know, it's it's clumsy. Like like you potentially will scare somebody away. It's because it's just like I'm sorry, I'm I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice of being with other people. I, mean, I guess the reason I like this line, it reminds me of. Uh... What is that book? The Magicians, uh, hmm. which turned into TV shows, nothing like the book. Um, but that book is widely hated by a lot of people because the protagonist is incredibly unlikable. He's just like a selfish asshole. Um, hmm. And I remember reading that book and hating the protagonist. And there's like a certain like, I don't know, the ability to recognize yourself in a protagonist you don't like. I think can be really valuable because hmm. then you're like, oh, shit, do I do that? You know, like hmm. I. I I enjoy that uh, when it happens. So I, I kind of look to celebrate moments like that, I guess. That's why I would read optimism, potential optimism into the end of this movie. Cause I think you're right. It is, it is good to be able to step away from even yourself, see your flaws unemotionally. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Have sure. you ever been in love? No. Okay, cool. That is one thing that gives me um, antibodies Hope. is the opposite. Uh, metaphor but i feel like this movie doesn't have complete power over me because of that oh lucky you (laughs) you haven't been infected by the disease i like it anyway it's called blue ruin (laughs) oh man um yeah uh, joel here really breaking through with some hardcore random thoughts for valentine's day 2004 this is a holiday invented by greeting card companies <laughs> thanks joel i'm just trying to remember like was that at, at in 2004 like i think we still we still that was kind of like a basic thought right like i don't think that was like edgy and new then as far as i recall yeah yeah i mean i think people have been saying that for a long time it's funny, though, the artificiality, the commercialism of romance and love obviously is something also commented upon in like 500 Days of Summer, mm-hmm. which is the movie that you have like a, a controversial opinion about. Um, I don't know. I, I certainly got in a fight with my ex about 500 Days of Summer. Nice. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 
the one line Joel has here is like, maybe I should get back together with Naomi. She was nice. Nice is good. That is so dismissive of Naomi. Naomi's like, not ever in this, right? No. They no. they had like a real actress, the player. I can't remember who it is, but um, yeah, she she never appears. Hmm. There's an interesting story about um, Jim Carrey meeting Michelle Gondry uh, in talks with this movie, and like apparently Carrey had just gone through a breakup. And so he was just like this kind so of, you know, who, like, um, I don't think Lauren it was in, Holly. I don't know. I don't know if it was between Lauren Holly and, uh, Jenny McCarthy and, and just the anti-vax movement in, at large or whatever. <laughs> but like, uh, um, apparently like Michelle Gondry, he just loved how like, like wonderfully broken Carrie was. And he's just like, this is what I want. So this was after man on the moon, right? I don't recall. I know that the 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 pseudo methodness of this came up in the documentary about Man on the Moon. No, this yes yeah, would have been after Man on the Moon was I want to say ninety nine, two thousand. That was like the big deal. Like, oh, Jim Carrey's being serious. Like by now, it wasn't as much of a thing. I mean, this is I like a very it, weird, risky movie for him to do. But I feel like it wasn't quite the same. Outside of just like bananas comedies i think this is his best movie it's his best performance because it's not too over the top and and there is something generally likable about jim carrey that can turn into a darkness that's very unlikable but Mm -hmm. like i think that's the things that make joel work is that he's a super blah dude but like he is charismatic in the way that jim carrey is and then i know we're going to talk about cold pursuit at the end but it reminds me of one of my favorite scenes of cold pursuit when uh, Laura Dern leaves the Dear John letter for <laughs> Liam Neeson and it's blank. <laughs> See, here's the thing about that moment, and we don't need to talk about the end because it's a trash movie, but like, that's like a pretty good dramatic moment in the movie. Yeah. And it says so much visually, and it's like, what is it doing in the middle of this movie? It was an hour into that movie before I realized it was like the blackest of comedies, the weirdest of blackest of comedies. Which is ironic. Or, or trying to be, at least, yeah. Yeah. God, it's such a fucking weird movie. Um, but yeah, this diner in Montauk in February, go Clementine. Making that coffee Irish under the table. Mm-hmm. Staying warm, as it as it were. Um, Apparently all her hair is like wigs here. They're not real dye jobs. Interesting. Because she had to, like, this was not shot in sequence, so, you know, they mm. were all over the place. Hmm. I really like the the bit with the um the damage to the car and like we see how it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dug all that. Well, just the when he wakes up and he hears the sound of people like leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I I like this moment when Joel and Clementine meet on the train. I like how utterly imperfect it is. Like I said before, how awkward it is. There's a great thing here. I probably talked about before on one of our podcasts that I always enjoy where the score kind of does the opposite of what it does in movies. It goes out. It comes in when they're talking and it goes away when they're, when there's silence between them to make just it more further. Awkward, yeah. yeah. Just further pressing the awkwardness of it all. Um, and then there's an interesting bit here too, where she's like telling him her name and she's like, no jokes about my name. And he's like, I don't know jokes about your name. And she's like Huckleberry Hound. And it's like, they talk about all the things they had to pull from his memory that were tangentially related to her. Mm-hmm. They talked about how Huckleberry Hound was like his favorite toy as a kid. And I just thought about like the Swiss cheese of his brain going <laughs> through the procedure, especially as he's trying to save her. 
Um, and then this, this gets, you know, a moment where it's like, if you don't appreciate her when he's like, oh, your name actually means like clemency. And she's like, oh, that's, that's funny. It hardly fits. I'm a vindictive little bitch. Truth be told. If you don't appreciate her after that, you really, this isn't going to be your movie. I mean, I just wish I had, I could have game this bad and still have Kate Winslet hitting on me. Like he's mm. just doing everything he can to like, not, th- not volley back in her direction at all. He is like a parody of a, of, of bad jokes of like don't come up to the woman who's just reading at the bar or whatever, mm-hmm. reading at the coffee shop or has headphones on. Like he's broadcasting go away as loud as possible to this poor woman. Um, this is why it makes her look bad because she's having to work extra hard. I don't know if he's broadcasting because we know that they, you know, they have that ephemeral connection with each other. I mm. think he keeps kind of stealing looks at her, but he doesn't know how to interact with her. I think it's more of like a social awkwardness than a, than a go away thing. Like he doesn't necessarily want her to go away, but he doesn't know how to react to her at the same time. Maybe, but at a certain point, certain point you've got to stop using your eyes to metaphorically undress somebody and you got to start using your teeth. Okay. Yeah. So Joel's really keen on being nice. Yeah. He's nice. A nice guy. One might say. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Are you a nice guy? No. Are you? I don't know. Be my pal. Tell me. Am I a good guy? I I think that's something you have to decide for yourself. I used to be a nice guy. That's the problem. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So she's like, do you want to have a drink? I have lots of drinks. (laughs) She's so like just utterly charming. Um, She's also really into potato people figurines, which are, that's a detail. It's something. That's an effect, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the the way she has to like disarm moments of uh, drink up, young man. It'll make the whole seduction part less repugnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Clem. Um, yeah, the going so on the ice. I just I love the metaphor of this is this is a relationship. It's going out on the ice. You know, you don't know if it's going to work or not. Well, I just I love the detail of like he is met her on the train. He is accompanied back her back to her apartment. It's so awkward. It's so unbearable. It's so excruciating. There's a thrill to mm-hmm. him. Like finally, when she's like, give me a call. He rushes home and he's so giddy to get on the phone of her. That's why he's a little more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like it's like whatever that physical thing that was terrifying him has been removed, you know, and he can just appreciate her. Yeah. So they go on, on the ice, massive crack. The first eighteen minutes, awkward. Real so you're you're focusing face. on the crack, I guess. I I'm not focused so much on that. It's just the idea of of being on ice as uh, being in a relationship. I think though, if you're going to start opening up to the metaphor of just going out on the ice, as they're laying down there and they're talking about how happy they are, you can't ignore the giant, purposely placed huge crack. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's potentially the optimistic tone of the end of this movie is that their love is potentially doomed and that's okay. A lot of things are doomed. Mm-hmm. Um, so then kind of, you know, as two guys who love lost, we go from that. We think we're flashing forward. We're actually flashing backwards. Well, not before uh, Patrick shows up here. It's oh like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you doing here? <laughs> I think I'm sure the first time I watched this, I didn't really understand what was going on here, but yeah. And it's now. not, it's not, I mean, within a half an hour, like it, they start giving you some real clues, but yeah, I like, kind of like that. It's not a lot of 
It's not a lot of hand holding. What a weird tiny little like goatee thing Elijah Wood has going on in this movie. Yeah. What a fascinating observation. I'm just looking at it right now. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, hard cut to uh, template gothic font, by the way. I love that. Um, hmm. Joel just crying in his car. Well, he's so heartbroken about this breakup of Clementine. And you know it because he's got to throw his Beck tape out the window. <laughs> I, I I like the uh, I think it's a cover, but I like just the the sentiment. Everybody's got to learn sometime. Yeah, I like how the you can see them following him in a van, like they're hitting. Yes, him. yes, yes. He's getting his mail. There's this envelope from Lacuna. This neighbor, uh, Henry Full here, is is great. This dude is like, what a nice guy in comparison, especially to your real life neighbor. Like he's just lamenting that he doesn't get Valentine's day cards and they, Hey man, at least you got Clementine. That's such he's, a, such a nice twist. Yeah. Yeah. He's like so worried that like Joel hasn't made good Valentine's day plans yet. And he's like, don't want to end up on Mickey D's, huh? McRomance. Huh? Yeah. That's when you just got to lie. Uh, McRomance title. Uh, so like Lacuna, I guess you take a pill and then people break into your home and into your brain. So let me ask you this. If you could hmm. take a pill and forget something, would you? And if so, what would it be? Something or someone? Let's say either. Hmm. Hmm. I could see you forgetting something. Oh, yeah. Like what? I don't know. I'm sure there's random traumas in my life right. that would be nice to take a break from. Think about that. Let's circle back to that at the end of the pod. Okay. What about yourself? Oh, we'll get to that at the end of the poll. Oh, you got one? Well, I have a, some ideas, but, you know, I want you to be able to participate, so we'll get to it later. Oh, I really can't wait to get into your life. I think this is what people want. They want to know more about... No, they, they want to know about you, so you got you to gotta spill some beans. Uh, oh, man, no one wants to know about me. Um, mm. I mean, I think that's the lesson we've learned in the last six months, right? Mm. Uh, so I like this effect of Joel asleep, revisiting some of the memories. Um, I, I kind of like to see the, the up-close, the... The screen, like playing the memory in front of him in a blur. I kind of wonder if that's like a rear projection thing. What do you think? Maybe. I mean, this is all very practical. I know in, in one scene where Joel is supposed to be observing a memory that he's in, like they mm -hmm. literally had him like he's wearing a hat and then like the camera pans away. He takes the hat off. He sits down and now he's the, the memory ver you know version or stuff like that. Like it's very lo-fi most of this stuff. Well, and supposedly also because so like I said, there's the whole thing where Gondry met him and he was heartbroken about a, a relationship just ended. And he's like, this is what I want for the movie. So a year later, obviously Jim Carrey's moved on. He's better. And Gondry's like, okay, well we're going to do things then. And it was a lot of like giving him confusing direction and just like starting the camera mm -hmm. at random times and like not telling that he's being filmed. And so like the whole like elephant parade thing is all just gorilla. They happened on an elephant parade. They didn't have permits. They just ran in and started filming stuff. Kate Winslet says this is her favorite performance. Well, and, and then, I mean, not to be all like, you know, IMDb Tribune or Wikipedia article here, but I love the detail of all the actresses they met for this role. She was the first one who rather than said, oh, it's great. Like, what do you want me to do for it? She was like, I have a lot of notes. <laughs> I have a lot of I have a lot of concerns. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of comments. And they were like, OK, obviously you're Clementine. And she's great. I mean, this is like to not be wearing a corset or mm -hmm. doing some kind of period thing. And she's just fucking shining. Yeah. Um, 
so then we get Joel talking to Robin Carey, and I'm utterly shocked that Joel has friends, to be real with you. Yeah, who do you think, like, is, I feel like maybe Carey is the closer friend than Rob? Like, it's hard so to here's, tell. Here's my headcanon. Uh-huh. Rob is probably a former coworker okay. who has never gotten rid of Joel. But over the course of their hangouts, Carrie, being the the empathic one, is more yeah has gone closer. Does, just yeah. yeah, she's like, okay, I'm going to be stuck with you. I'm going to ask you questions. Okay, you're a real person who has real. I can see coworker or like old roommate or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something where it's like the Rob and Joel friendship has run its course, but now out of habit they stick around, and Carrie's the one who like all men do. Yes, yeah. Ooh. Um, Carrie is the one who at least acts the part of giving a shit. And also Rob's a shit. I mean, yeah, somewhat. I do like his fucking gigantic uh, remote control airplane he has. I feel like they're just like, let's give David Cross some props. Yeah. <laughs> let's just We're give gonna, him weird stuff to be holding. Gonna work on his birdhouse later. Yeah. yeah. So he's you know talking about the last time we mentioned in my moments. The last time we saw Clementine, she acted like she just didn't know who she was. And then her new boyfriend showed up who seemed really young, um, kind of dunkable. Um, dunkable? Yeah. Like a like a donut? Yeah, like you could just dunk on Elijah Wood. You can dip him in some milk. I kind of want a donut now. Hmm. That's, good. Um, that's a bad they were eating sign chicken? when I live next to a 24-hour donut place. Yeah, cool. Um, upset, they were eating upset. chicken later. Yeah, maybe even chicken later. I was like, I want some some chicken. Um, yeah, Elijah was basically an unethical, unethical little shit in this movie. Clementine's in the client he takes advantage of, but I love this company. Like, I am. I would love to work in this fucking bonkers moonlighting esque. You just office. like the idea of breaking into people's houses when they're drugged. Oh, and then like dancing drugged? around in your. I'm, I'm sure the oh. the prospect of dancing around in your underwear with Kirsten Dunst isn't hurting things. I like her in this movie. I was never a huge Kirsten Dunst fan, but I think she's she's really good in this movie. I love her in this movie. This movie yeah. was made me be like, hey, Kirsten Dunst, like, why, what happened there? Why wasn't she yeah. in more stuff? Because she kind of disappears right after this movie. Like, she's not in a ton. When did she do Crazy Beautiful? Was it before or after this? I think it was before. I kind of wonder, I've only seen parts of it. I wonder if that's like a manic pixie dream girl thing. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think it's from her I perspective, so no. I prefer my manic pixie Sith Lords as on record. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just they send out a notice letting you know that someone's been like memory ghosted. So please don't <laughs> mention it because it'll confuse them. Love it. I would have so many follow up questions. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like I want, I want a sitcom. that's just about working at Lacuna, honestly. Um, Cause like when he, when Joel goes, like there's an old guy in the waiting room who's like looking to forget something. And I'm like, what the fuck is this dude's story? And like Mary's on the phone. Cause she's a receptionist. Like responding to the mailers they sent out, and you know, and she's just like, "Oh, I'm sorry, that deal expired at the New Year." And I'm like, "Good marketing! Like, maybe you should extend this offer that expired after the New Year." People are into it. I just love the technically speaking, the procedure is brain damage. What do you think this costs? Yeah, it's a good question. This I mean, they've got be- a doctor, and so Patrick works there too. So it's Patrick and Stan, and. Mary, so there's at least four employees. I mean, yeah, a couple, yeah. couple thou easy, like maybe like the cost of like LASIK surgery. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it just seems like a like a weird, horny workplace with a lot of unrequited crushes and banter. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I would, my I would job. love a job like this. 
Just, You'd be the stand, though, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I could see that. I mean, maybe not uh, you know dancing with uh, half naked Kirsten Dunst, but uh, yeah, the guy running the computer. What is your expression? You love like you're not gonna throw her out of bed for eating crackers. Yeah, I wouldn't. The, it's not my expression. It's an expression. You've been saying that since high school, which is always intriguing. Yeah, it's, it's it wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers. That's the expression. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that you you have that in your arsenal. Can we talk about Mark Ruffalo, who looks like he's fifteen in this or something. Like he think so. He also looks like smaller. He looks like he's like five inches shorter than he normally is or something. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's he's, just Jim Carrey's so tall. Yeah, he's he looks petite. Like he looks especially with the big hair. He just looks like a little kid. Yeah, Ruffalo. I don't know. Like I feel like I don't ever give Ruffalo enough credit. I feel like he went from looking like he was eighteen to looking like he was like forty. Like uh, there was no in between there in my memory of him. And he's like in his fifties now, I think. Is he really? Holy shit. Yeah. The Ruffalo has gotten old. The Ruffalo has turned into the Gruffalo. Um, but he's a dude who like, if there's ever like a March for a good cause. Like he's, he's secretly there. Wow. Five, he's eight. there okay. to sign. Like Mark Ruffalo might secretly be like a really cool woke dude. So he was like 36 when he made this movie. He just, he looks younger to me. No, well, that's well, how old is Elijah Wood in making this movie? I think Elijah Wood's like my age, so he was uh he would have been like, you know, twenty-four, I'm guessing. Mm. Mm. Uh so we get more Robin Carey. Rob is a fucking asshole of his stupid birdhouse. Um I suspect that Carey hates Clementine. Mm, yeah, I don't she know. She says she's impulsive. She decided to erase you almost as a lark. I don't know if she hates, but I think maybe like they wouldn't be friends. Yeah, let's put it that way. <laughs> Mm, yeah but at the same time like she knows joel pretty well like does she hate him enough to think that joel can do better i don't know i mean i i presume the very few things that rob and carrie have to talk about in bed before going to sleep and flipping off the lights and they're four-way oh, they, they talk screen shit. harry met sally thing it's just like the countdown like taking the wager on when that that train wreck is gonna wreck that train i'm sure they talk shit about those two constantly for sure for sure but like i feel like maybe these these two these four go out like like double dating and like carrie's very nice and she's very kind and she's a classy person but it's like she doesn't like clementine the way that sometimes women have to mm-hmm. grin and bear through quote-unquote female friendships um Anyway, let's yeah. talk about Patrick. He stole her panties. That's just gross. Let's talk about you can't have the procedure three times in one month. It's just not our policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Patrick's gross. It's. It, I feel like it's more than unethical, but perhaps not yet criminal what he's doing to Clementine. That, like, Or maybe they just don't that, have laws for it yet. They don't have laws for it yet. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the details of just like focusing on like like physical objects without talking about them, and then getting a sense in the brain scan where those memories might be physically stored. Mm-hmm. That's that's so interesting to I, me. I, I don't focus on the science too much in this. I it's, but it's, it, as far as like creating a world in the film that feels real enough that you don't need to focus on it too much, like from the perspective of the filmmakers. I think that's really cute. I think uh, there's there's enough there to hand wave, but yeah, it's like oh for sure. And I think that was Gondry's thing. He's like, I don't want to get too sci-fi with it. Yeah. Um, I like that Joel's idea of being cute and irreverent is like laying out on the floor of like ketchup across his neck like he's dead. 
Um, was he being cute necessarily? I don't know because that was right after they had a fight. Cute. It was like I think he's, he's being cute. Yeah, I think he sees it more as like a like a kind of a tension break or something like that. Like because they just had a fight, and so he's well, he's gonna do something kind of wacky. To same, same thing, same yeah. thing, same thing. Yeah, but I think he's thinking, "No, oh, I'm feeling cute. We might delete this memory later." Um, and they had their flea market argument about having kids. These two are not necessarily great together. Oh, that, that scene is rough. Yeah, or well, he just you, says something incredibly shitty to her, and he's like, "I don't want to talk about it." I don't want to talk about it here, and she's just like, "Fuck you." Do you really think you can take care of a kid? <laughs> and he just mumbles, "Yeah." Ugh. Uh, and then Mary's the kind of girl who just breezes into any room. She's happy. She's care. She's she's happy go free. I don't know the expression. And she's like, let me just quote Nietzsche. Happy go lucky. Carefree. Mm-hmm. I'll go happy it's go free. Like my favorite quote by Pope Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which really digging just in general digging into like the old poetry of the uh, Louisa to Abelard. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think I mean, it's pretty obvious you just like read in a quote book, right? I I kind of this was the final straw of me and Patrick when he doesn't know what Bartlett says. Um, that's your final did, straw. That's my final straw. You're like pass, stealing panties. You're on thin pants. ice, buddy. Yeah, I but, see that crack forming next to you where you're laying. But I'm still awesome. okay. So, on one hand, you've got a young woman who's like, "I'd like to quote Nietzsche before we have a drink." On the other hand, I was just reminded that Andy McDowell always toasts to world peace in Groundhog Day before she drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, as we get more into the memories of Joel and Clementine, I think what's interesting is at times they're both right, which is why they don't, why they butt heads. Because um, she's pointing out, you know, He's such a blank page that she's constantly having to share things, including the nasty things that she should be embarrassed about just to, you know, put this intimacy out there. And his response jerkily is constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating, which I mean, I think they're both. I mean, I suppose it's a fairly risky, like brave role for Jim Carrey here because Joel's really unlikable. I mean, I Mm -hmm. guess he... To, we're kind of on his side because he realizes that he likes her and is like trying to save the memory, but he's just a dick in so many of like the actual memories here. Mm-hmm. He says shit just to set her off, and then he steps back and acts superior yeah. as she has to ride out her anger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, the, Patrick's stealing the gift that Joel had gotten for her. What a scumbag move. Yeah, and then like it means something to her, but he doesn't even know why. You know. Well, I like the details that as that progresses, it just feels wrong to her. Well, I think Patrick's kind of place in the story here. He he is the idea that knowing everything about someone isn't a substitute for a romantic connection. You know, yeah. like he just has the memories, but that's not enough. Well, He's, you can't manufacture this. Yeah, it doesn't grow in a lab. Um, that's not where the chemistry comes from. Yeah, I think the only thing that's missing from this gig, this job, uh, fucking in people's heads while you're eating their food and drinking their booze and chilling in their place, is that you don't get to watch some of the memories. Like, like especially Would the void. Would you want to? I don't know. I mean, I'm always kind of fascinated when I watch people having an uncomfortable moment together, like in public, like in full view of everyone. Hmm. Because like, I don't. It's just like emotional I, porn to you. 
perhaps. I mean, if you're not someone who feels a lot of things for yourself, you have to mm. suck it out like a vampire when you can get it. But like, it's, I don't know, like I'm not connected to it. So it's like the awkwardness is just here almost on, on display for me in this moment. I don't have to deal with the consequences of it. You know what I mean? Like I don't, uh, so as a job, I, I would not I enjoy know. watching that at all. Okay. Hmm. I don't, I don't like watching awkward situations. Just like causing them. You, you scamp. Mm-hmm. I like your style. Um, yeah. So Ruffalo really wants to talk about the clash. You know, they call themselves that for a reason, like social justice. And she's like, anywho, Howard. I, I, I mean, it's, you see how they're not on the same page, even though they seem like a happy couple, you know, they're, they're yeah. talking past each other here. Well, it's like, I think she's dating him because he works there. He's the, their shared interest is Howard. <laughs> he's the next best thing she can get pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like she, she knows she has this attraction for like science man science that man. she doesn't, you know, she's lost her memory. So she doesn't know why. And it's like, well, he's unavailable but there's this young guy who's like the protege so he'll do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he'll do if you can't have the incredibly fuckable tom wilkinson (laughs) Uh, that blatant sex appeal of tom wilkinson um the ruffalo has got to be picking up though on how much he talks about howard yeah we'll we'll get to that at the end yeah i want to talk about what he knows and doesn't know but because but she's just like oh he 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 praises the work, the gift of letting people begin again, she says, until she realizes it happened to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Patrick here is like going through Joel's stuff to like see like notes that they'd written to each yeah. other, like what he can say. Like and Joel-y. I don't know, it's like she's having these like emotional breakdowns and it's just not like he can't do anything for her, basically. Mm-hmm. Patrick is for a lot of reasons. Not ready to be in a relationship, especially not this relationship. I like the scene with Joel and Clementine under the blanket here. Mm-hmm. This was this was like my number nine moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So like Patrick is even when they get to the frozen lake, he's even doing like like Joel's lines. I'm just happy, Clem. Yeah. I just love how she recoils from that. She's ready to go home. Come on, Patrick. You can't go straight to the the major leagues. What what are you what are you thinking? I'm trying to remember uh, which part, Nick, because Clementine disappears several times, but there's a certain part, I think it's after he thinks that he has hidden her in a memory, and then mm-hmm. she disappears, that there's this great, like, kind of, like, horrified, like, open-eyed look on his face as, like, he's crying. You can see, like, the tear running down. Like, it's just a really good, like, acting shot there for Jim Carrey. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of them working together, even though she's a figment of his imagination here to hide her in the memories, which I think realistically would leave you a vegetable when this procedure's over. But this, like, I think this is this is healthy, you know, making peace with the good and the bad. I, I think that's the general idea that I appreciate or I respond to in this movie. I, I guess I didn't see uh, it as him making peace. I saw it more as he looked at his memories, realized he was an asshole and that she was actually pretty cool and he will do anything to like hang on to them now. He doesn't want to forget her. Yes and no though. But like to create a version of her within his mind that they have to work together. And that seemingly was the problem that they were having at the end, which led to the breakup mm-hmm. was that they couldn't connect. And I think that's what I think of a lot of people is they just stop hearing each other. They start stopping on the same wavelength. Right. I mean, yeah, man, you get some full on like Ruffalo ass here. 
Yeah, you do. As he pulls so, the tidy wires back on. So these yeah. two, like, just they fucked somewhere while Joel's passed out. Where were they? Like, were they just on the bed right next to him? Or are they in the chair? You don't think about that? I think you know the answer. Right next to him? Oh, I think you know the answer. When you're like on top of him? I think you know the answer. (laughs) Yeah. There's more than one reason Joel went off that map. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, technically, it's a three-way, right? (sighs) Four-way? That gets into (laughs) other ethical situations as well. Yeah. He's like, hey, Patrick, uh, I'm sorry I gave you a hard time about the panties. I've really eclipsed you. Um, yeah, so I really like the wife of Howard. Like when he gets the call from from Mark Ruffalo late at night, just that one shot of her laying there, listening, knowing, not trusting. See, I, I, when I watched it, I totally wasn't picking up on that at all. But it's obvious in retrospect, you know. She's she's minus one huge monologue that would be an Oscar winner thing, but she reminded me a lot of um My wife in network. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, um I forgot William Holden's character's name, but his wife in network. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole seasons thing, you know. Oscar winner. Yeah, Oscar winner for like eight minutes of screen time. Good for her. Yeah, so of course Mary Howard's coming, you know. Uh Stan is just like, you gotta get out of here. And Mary's like, No, I think I'll hang out. I like her panic about like seeming stoned, you know, they gotta yeah. put their clothes back on, clean up everything. They that seemingly have made just a massive mess. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But like what's that stain on Joel's PJs? And they're like, mm, that was there when we got here. Mm-hmm. Um The the visual of Clementine like dressed as this like seventies babysitter and then like flashing her panties at like little kid Joel, it's a little creepy. But how could it not be though? Yeah. You're 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 hiding your girlfriend and your childhood memories with you. Yeah. And and targeting her onto like your mom's friend. It says a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. It's it's murky for a reason. Um I don't know if it's the moment you're talking about. There's a great bit though as Howard is there working and like uh, Joel's eyes open and there's just that tear as he knows that he, they're going to keep going. They're like, like he can't stop them and they give him like the sedative to put him even, even deeper. Let me see it because it might be a reflection. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Mm. And Mary's just like, wow, that was like watching a concert penis work, Howard. (laughs) Um, yeah, so then like memory Clementine or memory time gets to watch uh, Joel getting a bath and he's happy because there's like no pain. He's not an adult here in this moment. It's just perfect. And I kind of wonder if this is like a subtle hint at the psychology of Joel. Like, you know, for the long time, like the one woman in his life took care of him. So maybe well, that's mean, subconscious what he's looking for from women. It's kind of there in the background, but they never it doesn't seem like they're really trying to hammer it. Like, because you could have gone further, I think, if you really wanted to be like. This is this is why Joel is this way, you know. But they, yeah. it seems like they kind of dance lightly through it instead of going to like these were the key moments when he got fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I, really I, don't, like, I don't think he's I don't think he's fucked up. I think he's just a really blah dude. I mean, I think he's got some deep seated emotional issues. Oh, okay. Hmm. I mean, he's clearly like lashing out at her whenever, whenever she makes him feel. I don't know inadequate or well yeah and that might be a side effect of just how quiet and mumble-mouthed he is that he can't express himself so when it comes out 
because she is he's setting her up for failure because she has to work so hard to reach him uh-huh. uh one thing we haven't really talked about too much I feel like we should at least give a brief mention is just the way this movie is shot it's like we said lots of practical sets lots of like handheld like verite style but just all the kind of like weird i don't even like some of it's it's so it's like impressionistic, you know, like the way they mm-hmm. do some of these memories where things are just disappearing, you know, and like these scenes, like they, there's a lot of lighting with spotlights. And so mm-hmm. it kind of like puts them in light and like everything else is dark around them. And I don't know, I really like the way it portrays memory. It's like a really interesting visual way of communicating it. And, and it's mostly not CGI. I mean, I know there's a little bit here and there, but it's not like they're like just going crazy with CGI here to, to capture it. So I know that the, um, one of Gondry's things was he's like, I want only available light for the uh-huh. whole movie. And the cinematographer is like, I have a real problem with that. Yeah. So apparently there's like a lot of uh, like lights hidden behind furniture mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, like apartment scenes and stuff. Well, there's a to- lot where like, it's like, it's clearly there's a light mounted to the camera because like mm-hmm. the camera pans and the light pans with it, you know? Oh yeah. As they're going through some of those memories where everything's dark around them. Yeah. 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 Um, so like from the bath, we go to like the um, the drive-in theater where they're like doing their own kind of poor man's mystery science theater thing. Like cause they're parked adjacent to the drive-in. Um, and I like this moment because it's – they're such fucking dorks. And like that's – I think that's one of the things about relationships. You have those silly playful moments and it's like – it means everything to, to two people in that moment. But like when you step back, you're just like, look at these fucking goobers. Mm. You know, like they're dubbing this black and white movie. Don't call me Antoine. My name is Wally. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about a relationship. It doesn't matter if you look cool if you're having fun with the other person. You know? Well, and that's that's the thing I like about this story in general. And it, it, it is taken away from the fact that, like, you don't always get, you know, other than the IRL stuff, you don't get, like, real Clementine, is that a relationship is its own little universe, right? I mean, there are hopefully aspects that are entirely private to those two people. You know, it's a whole world that everything else just orbits did you uh, happen did you happen to get like a close look at this like weird uh comic book porn that he's jerking off to here and it's like one of his worst memories no tell me more about the comic book porn i i happen to have it i'm just scrubbing through right now jesus christ this is this is fucked up shit let's talk about it it's like it's kind of like humanoid bodies but with like weird dog faces and like this dog is definitely this dog is eating ass like he definitely is I kind of wonder if this is like French comics. Yeah, it's French. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it's humans with dog faces eating ass. That's what he's jerking off to right now. Take that for a walk. Um, I just like he's just like she's like Jesus, Joel, and he's like I don't like it either. I'm just trying <laughs> to hide you somewhere humiliating. And then his mom walks in. Yeah. Oh boy. And other times I can't help but laugh. I mean, because so how could you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How could you not? Um. Yeah, so I love the shot of them on the beach in the bed. That's a cool shot. Yeah, tasting the awkwardness. Ruffalo leaves, leaving Howard and Mary to work, and she's like, "Do you like quotes, Howard?" <laughs> and she quotes from you know Eloise and Abelard to him. It kind of makes title. me wonder if maybe he used to like quote to her a lot. You yeah, know, that could have been like his yeah, thing. He, he turned her on to Bartlett's. Like he would. Uh, Whisper sweet nothings from Bartlett's well, tour. He was that like impossibly intellectual got older man who would always like have some cool quote, you know, that he would drop at a moment's notice. Like I could see that. Oh yeah. I'm sure he turned around to the Nietzsche. Another 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 positions, yeah. Um 
So intercut with Joel and Clementine at the, at the Elephant Parade, which you know filmed um, Girl of Saw, like I said. Uh, and she goes for the Mary goes for the kiss, you know. And she's like, "I'm sorry, I've loved you for a very long time." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, Mary, we can't." And then of course they can. Um, then Howard's wife shows up, oh, and she's like, "Jesus, like, are you even gonna tell her?" And you're like, "Oh shit!" At least I was, because at this point I didn't remember the twist. Uh, so like, ooh, it's so good and it's so fucked up and it it, it's, it suddenly it explains everything that's come so far and i think it's yeah. a great kind of side counterpoint to the main joel clementine thing. yeah i i honestly think that that's the one of the things that makes this movie really work for me though is it's not just the story of joel and clementine yeah. they really seamlessly fit in this whole lacuna side story in with it and it works thematically and it ties back in to the joel and clementine stuff really really interestingly i uh-huh. I, I think the script is genius um i've always been a charlie coffin fan because he is so awkward and weird but like it's uh, interesting that this wasn't his, his format, idea his though stories, yeah his structures are so interesting yeah i mean it's like the him and uh gondry and like some other guy kind of came up with the story together I think it was Gondry who had like the original original idea, and then they kind of built it out. But yeah, Gondry went on to do what the Science of Sleep. I don't think I've really seen a lot of other Gondry movies. Yeah, I never saw Human Nature. I think know, that's I, bad. That was before this, and it, I think that's like see, like a really badly reviewed movie. Did I say please kind of be rewind? Please be kind rewind. I didn't see that one. Um, anyway, so Joel visits Clementine at the bookstore. We're getting like the second to last memory. They're like river songing each other here. And oh, she's just like, he's just doing a ton of shorts recently. Yeah. Huh. Okay. He did like a documentary about himself and his family. He did like a doc. I just kind of, did, oh, like, he, he did the green hornet. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, God. Like if you want to have fun in that Wikipedia article, read the, um, the, like the history, <laughs> the development. Yikes. It just gets worse. Um, so like Joel visits Clementine at the bookstore, like says river songing, and she's just like, "Look, man, I'm high maintenance." Um, I love as they're moving through the bookstore through that space, the titles of the books and the signs are all yeah, just like disappearing. They're all just turning white. The books are, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so Mary, of course, goes back to the office to find her own file slash tape and just fuck how, some shit up. How weird would that be to hear yourself saying things that you don't remember saying? Yeah. Maybe that's just podcast. Well, I mean, has anyone ever, you know, been out drinking, thought things were just a normal fun night and it blacked out? And then like the next morning, people tell you about the night before. I mean, I imagine that's... People tell me that they have recordings of me, apparently, after uh, some Cards Against Humanity sessions, but I don't... Reenacting the entire first seasons of the plot of a TV show called Pretty Little Liars. I've yet to see these videos. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I should I should uh I should auction that off. That'd be a good Patreon level, right? I don't think Patreon's an auction. <laughs> <laughs> I need like one of those like auctions that like Lex Luthor sets up for like some kryptonite or something or a Superman sex tape. Um so she has to listen to her own tape, which this is the part too. Like like when we hear Howard say Listen, Mary, we agreed it's for the best or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, how can I not hate best you? for how, him? Yeah. How can you make this happen with the incredibly fuckable Tom Wilkinson? Um, yeah. So then Joel remembers the day at the beach with his friends, you know, and I, the little the little details when he comments like, this is the day we met. 
Uh, did you know that uh, Michelle Gondry directed the Foo Fighters video Everlong? Yep. Okay, I did not. I mean, doesn't that just seem like a him kind of thing? In retrospect, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I I went through a whole like loving Charlie Coffin phase, so I, I picked up some of these details a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got uh, this weird like beach party when I had. Is it? I I can't tell if this is supposed to be summertime, but it, it like they filmed it in winter, so it looks like winter. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I I, I don't know. They're wearing like hoodies and things. Yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't I don't see how this could be possibly be warm or uh you know like yeah. I mean Montauk's like on like Long Island or something, right? I think so. It's in that area. Yeah. I don't I don't know East Coast geography. Yeah. You can take a train there. We're gonna get some tweets. Do you how, remember I how long it is from like Brooklyn or wherever he's coming from to Montauk? Was that Rock Center? Rock Center, yeah. We well, remember when we what? Uh, do you remember when we, we mentioned something about Saratoga on the PLL podcast, and then we like heard from like five hundred people? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember what it was about though. So, uh-huh. which was, you know, I'm not like complaining. Thank you, everyone who took the time to educate us. But like that was a fascinating experiment <laughs> being corrected or hearing from people, people feeling like compassion to like speak up. I mean, I get that now. Listen to other podcasts. I can't stand when like hosts are getting a detail wrong and you're just like, you just gotta let it go. You're like, it was Tom Hanks in that movie. God damn it. Say Tom mm-hmm. Hanks, say Tom Hanks. But I've never, I've never like, you know, been compelled to send an email. Um, and yeah, the worst, so that- the worst is when they're like making an argument on a fact that's incorrect. Yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, no, that's, you're wrong. No, the, the foundation of your whole, you know, epiphany here is wrong. Listen to some utterly trash podcasts of some garbage people were hosting, talking about arguing how Brian K. Vaughn was the head writer on Lost, <laughs> while they were talking about a subject that they knew nothing about. Uh-huh. Um, which I need to remind you that the the thing I showed you, they deleted that. Oh, interesting. All right, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so they're thrashing up this house. They kind of broken in, which is kind of interesting. The the general recurring motif of breaking and entering. And he's like, you know, commenting, I thought you were maybe a nut, but you were exciting. And they're going to pretend to be Roof and Dave. And, of course, Clementine's ever the witch. She's like, right now I'm roofless. <laughs> um, I wonder how, how old do you think Joel is supposed to be in this? Joel is your classic... Late thirties guy dressing like he's in his twenties. But I think Joel is—he's at that age where he's way too kind of boringly rational to mm-hmm. like go along with like breaking into a house. Like he just can't do it. He has to run away. You know, he's—he's he's thinking of all the bad things that could happen instead of being like, "Holy shit! Like, what an amazing girl! Like, hell yeah! Let's play around this house." Yeah. Oh, I think I think he's it's the classic uh, modern hip dating thing where he's like 10 to 15 years older than her. Well, maybe not. It's Kate Winslet. So I I think he's probably supposed to be late 30s and she's late 20s. Okay, something around there. That would be my guess. You know, that happens. Um, Yeah, this guy who's like, I I could lose everything. My job, which probably sucks. I'm guessing. Do we know what he does? I mean, he calls in, but yeah, my apartment in which I have a pullout couch. (laughs) He might be some kind of artist. He seems to do a lot of drawing. Side, I don't know. I think he does art on the side. Also, clumsy work, guys. Not finding all the pictures of Clementine. Oh, the one he hid. 
Yeah. Did he hide it? Is that how it worked? Uh, yeah, we don't know if he hit it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course, the tide's coming in. This memory's collapsed. This dream is collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, he wishes he stayed of her. He's scared and over his head. Uh, I, I like it. I, I like this moment a lot. I, I like how when it kind of cuts to the beginning of the movie with him, you know, leaving the note, thanks, that the uh, car he thinks hit him. And it's like yeah. there in the background are the lacuna people and the, the, their own drama playing out right now that he's completely unaware of. Yeah. Um, I love this awkward meeting between Howard and Stan. Stan's like, so I got to drop the van off. And Howard's like, yeah, thanks, Stan. So we'll, uh, we'll talk, <laughs> which is like, sorry, your new girlfriend's still in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this scene where Stan kind of follows Mary out to her car, she's carrying a box of stuff and she's like, did you know? And he's like, well, I, I saw you guys like talking one time and I wondered, but then, you know, didn't see the anywhere. How did I look? Yeah. What was, what's her response? You looked, she's, she says, how did I look? And he said, you looked happy, happy with a secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just wondering like, why doesn't he fight more here? I don't know. Maybe he just knows he, he knows too much about the science to know that there's no point. Because he's just kind of like, well, see ya. Well, I think it's also basically laid bare that whatever she's now wrestling with and whatever it, it speaks to as far as her interest in Howard and how that fell out and all that stuff, it's more I mean, I, than I guess, whatever she has with Dan. I guess the way that I read it is that in some way he must have internalized that he's maybe a little bit of a Patrick, which is why he's not fighting. Because I, I think he must think know so. that on some level he was acting with extra information. Even though he's he's adamant to express to her that he didn't. I think he, he must have picked up on it somehow, I guess. Like maybe just subconsciously or something. But I think if if he truly had a guilt-free conscience, he would have fought more. I I took it as more as like when like two people go on a date and then afterwards it's like it becomes apparent that like one of them is – Still into an ex or yeah. something. I, mean, I guess we don't know how long they've been together either. Yeah, I, I don't perceive it being very long. I mean, let's see. Like stripping down to your, like your tank and your panties and your tidy whities and dancing over an unconscious man while a medical procedure has been done to his body and then having sex on top of him. That's like, what, date two, date three? Uh, Got to be a rules girl. Wait for date three. Okay, date three it is. I mean, if you're a prude. <laughs> Fucking live a little, huh? Um yeah, I just like he's like I never saw you two together again like that. So I just assumed I was imagining things, and she's like, "Yeah." And then she so, goes, uh, "She's got all the tapes we see in her backseat. <laughs> she's going to mail them to everyone." <laughs> that business is ruined. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating that like the timelines all kind of match up because it, like it takes a day for the mail to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing I always kind of forgot about. I always kind of thought like, "Oh, that's an error," but like really, it's not. Like he calls her. And then it's like later that night. It's like maybe? the next day or that night, and then yeah, that night they go to they go to the the Lake Charles, and then the next damn morning they're driving back. Yeah. Um, also, she just put a lot of people out of work, by which I mean Stan and Patrick and Howard, which is cool. I mean, I feel like that's just like the government would want to hire them. You know, like there's a lot of dark actors who'd want to hire them. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk is going to give them a call. Um, Put it in the work in Westworld. Uh, Bezos yeah, so, is going to use it to make everyone forget they've seen his dick. 
Have people actually seen the I don't, dick? I don't think they're out there as far as I know. All right, let me let me just break it down for people. Let's stop talking about this. Jeff Bezos' dick looks exactly like Jeff Bezos, right? It's fractal. Yeah, it's a fractal image. If you squint, it's like a 3D picture. And only instead of a pirate ship, it's Jeff Bezos' well, think, dick. But it's smiling at you, and it's making $27,000 a second. Well, I think at this point, nobody really cares about his dick. It's really the question of, like, did, like, the Saudis hack his dick pics for Trump? You know, like, that's mm-hmm. that's what people are more interested in. That is a much more serious issue. Because on the other hand, dicks are boring. It's what you do with a dick that matters. Something, something, something. There's a Maya Angelou quote fuck up there yeah. yeah it's what you do if your dick that matters the dicks that tie to you um yeah so joe gets back of clementine she runs to get her toothbrush for the sleepover and this this has that kind of young love feel of like we're so tired we're, we're gonna go sleep we get my toothbrush like very a, practical. That, that's that's the practical aspect of intimacy right yeah i like how, someone's like let me get a toothbrush Wait. i like how she checks the bruise on her ass for when she fell. yes yes that's my moment 10 it's yeah a thong by the way it's good. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and then just like the listening to the tape, God, this is, this seems brutal. I mean, this maybe could have been an honorable mention here. Just like hearing him say horrible things about her. And then like, she kind of forces, you know, it's like, all right, we have to do it the other way as well. You know? Well, well, yeah, the vice versa, when they're driving back to her place and he's just like, what the fuck is this? Are you pranking me? Yeah. So she tells Patrick to fuck off, which is good. He's at her place. She goes home and cries, um, which, again, imagine how insane this has to be. You've just found a tape of your own voice commenting about a person you just met. I would I would love this. I'd be so excited. Really? Oh, yeah. I have some tapes for you. Uh-huh. You better. You better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck off your head. I want you crying by the end of this. Um. I love that the neighbor recognizes her when she finally goes to Joel. He's like, hey, Clementine. And she's like, who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> he's like, Valentine's Day is coming up. You guys got good plans, huh? Can I come? I'm so lonely. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> I just seem that guy's married and like in a boring relationship or something. You, you think so? I think maybe. he's like another Joel. I think he just lives alone. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe he's also on a pullout couch. Um, and Joel... Joel's comments about her are so petty. He's embarrassed by her in public. She says library instead of library. Well, that one, so that I, I kind of wonder if if they were like, tell us every dark thought you had. Like if that was kind of the idea of these interviews. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, like. Because it, it seems like they're so focused on the worst. I mean, maybe it's just because they just broke up or something. I just think to myself, like, maybe if you just go to therapy and just get these things out, expel them from you, maybe then you can hold on to the memories, but whatever. Um, I love her reaction when he shows her, like, the illustration of her. It's like it's her head and a skeleton body. And she's like, looks good. I look skinny. (laughs) (laughs) And Um, then they're kind of like, well, what do we do with each other now? You know? Oh, they're, they're comment about their sex life. Their last night together. It wasn't sexy, just sad. That's from Joel. (laughs) I'm really curious about their sex but, life. Okay. Well, like, how are you, like, like how, how are you not? What I is just, this I like? just is don't think boring? it's that interesting. I don't know. Do you think Joel just like lays there and he's just like he's starfish? Yeah, he just, he just planks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine spending that much time with someone only to find out that she's a stranger. 
So she reiterates, she's not a concept. He says, there's nothing about you that I see that I don't like. He will, she says, she'll get bored of him. She'll feel trapped. This is how it goes with her. And this is the moment I appreciate when he's like, okay. And she kind of laughs and she's like, okay. I don't know. I like it. So you think they're doomed? There's a strong potential. Hmm. Um, They don't have to be. I mean, I think... Like I said, I think a lot of relationships, when they get into those death throes, if you could just step back and look at the moment, you might reconnect with the whatever the, the two people originally connected with is my feeling. I, mean, I guess um, it seems like they have the perspective now of all the kind of pain points mm-hmm. with each other. They They kind of all their cards are on the table now, so it would either blow up immediately to me or they would know how to kind of manage the other person. And some people make doomed relationships work for a short time. You know, they have fun with it. I don't know. I mean, like my, my, my personal romantic history is, it's an interesting one because, um, I've been very fortunate that I've only ever been involved with, with exceptional people. I only take the best. So, um, clearly the problem has always been me. Or the combination of me with that person, you know, didn't work out. But I haven't like dated any like truly monstrous psychos yet. Hmm. Interesting. Um, if if there are any out there who are interested, my phone number is area code seven six zero. I think you might be like editing a little bit of your history. You think so? I think so. You think there's been some monsters in my past? I, I can't, I can't remember driving somewhere with you in the car and you getting some texts and you're like, what the fuck is this? There were, there were some surprises coming to those texts. Who was this? And we'll talk offline. Okay. Anyway, that's it, Joel. It's going to be gone soon. Hmm. If you could change one thing about this movie, what would it oh, be? What, what do you think about the last, the last image we see of them though? Uh, running away in the snow. I like it. It reminds me of Jaws. <laughs> I, I think maybe that's just like Long Island has those fences. Yeah. Um, no, it's fun. I, I guess to me, this ending is hopeful. I, maybe it just depends on your disposition or your circumstances, how you think these two are going to end up. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the house isn't haunted. Maybe it's just whatever ghosts you bring with it. Yeah. I think it's kind of interesting that the mayor of Montauk is like, we can't be telling tourists that, uh, <laughs> we're going to have a uh, um, I don't know that I would change anything. I really don't. I I've lived with this movie for so long now that I, I just really appreciate it. I think its flaws are part of what makes it work for me. You? We get a last scene with Patrick, right? What she tells him to fuck off. Yeah. Like, okay. Tangerine, what's wrong? What can I do? Tangerine, asshole. Uh, yeah. I I really can't think of much. Um, it's such a specific kind of artistic expression that it's this isn't a kind of movie where it feels like there's like a missing element you know like you read about the scenes they cut and you're like yes that was the right decision you know mm-hmm. um yeah I, I feel like they you could maybe say they don't like tie up uh tom wilkinson enough but i don't think so i think we get everything we need from him i don't think we need it anymore so it kind of it's fairly self-contained and yeah, it's great. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we get the promise that, that him and Stan are going to talk. And Tom Wilkinson, he leaves us just like he showed up in the movie. Breaking hearts. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do our power rankings. Oh, boy, this is going to be... I don't know, there's not a lot of characters, honestly. Yeah, I um, had to cheat and put a few filmmakers on this. Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I didn't have to do that. Number 10, Patrick. Oh, same. <laughs> yeah, Patrick sucks. What a creep. Yeah. So yeah, I, had, said. I had Charlie Kaufman at nine. Oh, that's 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 a good choice. Which it's isn't necessarily okay. an indictment. Um, I guess I like just I don't know. Feel like I put him in there somewhere. I've never been a huge Charlie Kaufman fan myself, but mm. I do like this movie. I really like adaptation. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen being John Malkovich. Um, Sudeki, New York. I don't know if I have said that word right. Um. But that's a movie that, man, yeah, that movie will it. ruin you. That movie will ruin you. The ending of that movie will fuck you mm. raw, mm. emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, other things. Uh, number nine, I have Howard. Who's Howard? <laughs> the uh, the immaculately sexy Tom Wilkinson. Dr. Howard. Oh, Dr. Mearswack? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm a little higher up. You, you tease. Who's Howard? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. just because the, the just, uh, I feel like there's the extra indictment of when we hear the tape and she's like talking about the details. You know, I like that you never, like, you didn't pursue me right away, you know, and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, God, Howard, I can't do this. And he's like, Mary, we agreed. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's. You agreed. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Michelle Gondry at number eight. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. I had I Rob. Oh wow, Rob, not doing too well. <laughs> my my Rob is suspiciously high. I suppose. <laughs> I guess I like this. Uh, I really like. Are you remote control are you airplane? A, are you a Rob? I don't think so. Are you just like? What's your fucking brilliant plan? <laughs> maybe maybe I need more like weird, goofy, oversized props in my life. Oh, you I'll absolutely see that guy. Do. Your neighbor would love if you were working on a birdhouse right now. Uh-huh. This is where we'd cue birdhouse and your salt playing. Um, okay. Who's your number seven? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I cut you off. Why Michelle Gondry? Just because I needed more names on this list. And I, I think his directing is better than Charlie Kaufman's writing. Mm, okay. It, not that it's like Charlie Kaufman's horrible or anything. I would just put Gondry higher. Hmm. My number seven is uh, Dr. Mearswack, Tom Wilkinson there. Um, just lending a lot of gravitas to a role without a ton of meat on the bones, but like uh-huh. it just so perfectly fills the shoes of like, oh yeah, this is like the kind of like brilliant, like futzy scientist guy who's running this thing. I feel like Tom Wilkinson is an actor that I never, ever saw until like 2001 on. Yeah. It's like he was just always old. Like suddenly he's in Michael Clayton. It's like Mark Rylance. Suddenly he's in Batman Begins, doing like, um, like, uh, like bad, like gangster accents. <laughs> Mark Rylance, I've seen for a while. Mark Rylance, he never understanding, he never will. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I saw the controversial Mark Rylance movie with Carrie. What's her name? No, there's a Mark Rylance movie where he gets a um, unsimulated blowjob on screen. Oh, one of those movies, huh? 
Yeah, it's um, it's probably a real film. It's probably by uh, what's his name who did uh, Nine Songs and uh, The Trip. Yeah, can't say. Uh, the it guy does, does all the movies. Steve Coogan. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, he just he did a real Dunkirk in somebody's mouth. Um, my number seven is Frank the Neighbor. Just seems like a really good dude. He's just trying to connect with his neighbor. Hey, man, uh, shut up. You Frank. remember those Valentine's plans? <laughs> Check and mail and move on. Oh God, I'll never care so much about somebody else's Valentine's Day plans as Frank. <laughs> I, w- I would never even think to ask somebody what their Valentine's Day plans were. I feel like uh, that, that conversations can only go in awkward directions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what if Joel just turned him as just like fucking intense? Yeah, fucking. You're gonna hear it through the walls. The walls are gonna melt. That's how intense it's gonna be. Frank's just like, I can't wait. This is number six. I'd stand at number six. Wow. Why so yeah, weird? I don't know. Maybe it should be higher. I don't know. I, I think I was just mostly fascinated by young Mark Ruffalo. But um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a character you who you won't know by name. Hollis. Nope. Number six. That's Howard's wife. Just, Hollis just, is her first name? That's her first name. Huh. Just for the... First, the look that she gives Stan when she gets out of the car. Just the, like, fucking really, huh? And then when she sees them and she goes over and punches him. And she's like, thanks a lot, Stan, and walks away. Oh, my hero. And then, of course, the, uh, just tell her, Howard. You could, and then, the honey, you can have him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see where are we at here. Number five had Rob at number five. Really? Yeah. Okay. I kind of liked them. Sorry. Okay. I had Carrie at number five. Carrie, who just, she seems, you know, in her interactions with the shy and nebbish Joel seems sweet. She's like, I saw you talking to a girl. And he's like, oh, it's just a girl. Whatever. I'm all bashful now. Look at me. Um, Yeah, I had Carrie at number four. Um, I think I just liked her a little bit more than Rob. Hmm. At least top three are going to be interesting, aren't they? What do you, what do you have for number four? I'm trying to remember. What is her name? Jane Adams. I always like Jane Adams. She's always very... She's like an indie film darling. Isn't she in Happiness? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think she is. Let's Ooh, see. <sighs> yep, she was. I'm so glad this is Tom Wilkinson as Howard and not like Dylan Baker. <laughs> Uh, what are we at? Number four? Yeah. I have Stan. Oh, she was in Mumford. Stan. All the way at number four. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Stan. Um, Stan the man here? I don't know. I you look at other dudes that are in the movie and tell me if this is so crazy. Well, you have Stan lower than Rob, right? I do, yeah. Okay, well. Um, wrong wrong crowd for me to pitch my, All right. my Stan love to. Well, number three, I have Joel. Which is really, I think, a a testament to Jim Carrey's ability to be likable and charismatic because Joel is just a piece of shit for a lot of this movie. Like, he's a real asshole. Um, But I think he manages to make us root for him anyway as he's kind of discovering what a prick he's been. The, um, I I mean, I think we have the same top three, honestly. But, like, yeah, Joel's my number three. The detail is fascinating is we see him be this kind of um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, passive aggressive jerk to her a lot. Uh-huh. And then I'm always fascinated by the detail in her line when she's or her tape where she says, he's so boring. And I think he's made me more boring <laughs> just by being with him. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Clementine. Yeah. So number two, we both have Mary. No, I have Clementine. Oh, number two. Oh, you, you guy, you. Okay. <laughs> I have Mary. You have Clementine. You guy, you. Yeah, I, re- I mean, I really love Clementine's character. I think ever so slightest of merit because a lot of times we're not really seeing her. We're just seeing Joel like mm-hmm. talking to himself through her. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like I re- I like Kate Winslet in theory, but I feel like she rarely does modern movies that I can think of. Hmm. Is she, is it her or Rachel Weiss that's married to Daniel Craig? It's Rachel Weiss. Okay. Rachel Weiss who went from Darren Aronofsky to Daniel Craig. Upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tying it all in, remember when Aronofsky was going to do an episode of Lost? No, I don't. Oh, you don't remember that? He's going to do an episode oh, of Lost. Maybe, maybe vaguely. It was like so talked was about, be a, but never went anywhere. It was going to be a, a Locke episode. Hmm. John Locke. Um, don't tell me what I can't do. Uh, yeah, I, I really like Mary. Um, this is the kind of character that would like get your derision and potentially your scorn. You might look down on her. And as she progresses, it's she's just young and she's wrestling with this thing that she only finds out about later. Um I think she's I think she's really interesting. Um Clementine I adore and I think you're I mean I think you're right. You don't fully see all of Clementine, especially she's another person who's encountering a bizarre situation. But um it's not the point of the movie. It's it's Joel's perception of Clementine for the most part. And I don't know, I guess just my general feeling is there's gonna be a lot of people you dated that later on you realize you didn't really know and as long as you understand that and can make peace with the version that you knew. Yay, good for you. Whatever. Okay. Oh, I forgot that Kate Winslet was in Contagion. Yeah, yeah, she, she's she good. dies, right? I think so. I think so, yeah. I only saw that one time in in the theater, and that creeped me out. I I feel like <laughs> I saw that movie or parts of it like several times on HBO and hotel rooms. I oh god, I saw that in the theater, and then I went to the bathroom in the theater, and that scared the shit out of me. I was never so aware of other people and their activities in the bathroom. <laughs> so Mary, um. I just really, really liked her character. I wasn't, I didn't recall liking her so much in the past, but I found her quite charming. She's kind of a secret mover of the plot. Um, I think Joel and Clementine's prospects are probably much better because she sent those uh, letters out to everyone. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I really like the twist of her realizing that her own memory had been messed with. Like to me, the, the realization of that's kind of, thrilling like it just the idea that i find really interesting and you get it a little bit with joel and clementine obviously but with mary it's just like it's a devastation you know yeah um with clementine though i always forget that kate winslet was nominated for an oscar for this role can you do you know what she lost to uh 2004 probably some bullshit you guess even it's definitely some bullshit can you guess even one of the other nominees I'm sure Meryl Streep was one of them. Uh, no. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who who are the nominees. Are for? you are you anti Meryl? 
I'm not anti, but just the Academy fucking nominates her like every goddamn year for playing some historical character, and it's just like, eh. I I mean, don't don't come out against the Meryl Streep industrial complex. You're not going to win that fight. Um, other movies that were nominated for the best actor best female actor category were Vera Drake, with uh, what's her name, um, uh, but Year Five Defense Against the Dark Arts Lady that everyone hates. Fuck, Melda Stanton. Mother Stanton, Maria Fuller Grace, being Julia, so Annette Benning, Annette Benning, who's like, I guess maybe Meryl's understudy. <laughs> um, and Million Dollar Baby was the winner. Oh, yeah. The swank. Yeah, Academy loves shit like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not to be that, that podcast person that mentions their tweets, but I, I really think if the Academy didn't allow basically impressions to be awarded, you know, anything where we've got like audio visual evidence of this person, I think it'd be a much mm. more interesting category. Mm, okay. What are you specifically t- like, like lashing out at there? Just there's like, like what was the, the one that set you off that was like, I need to tweet about this? It, no, it wasn't one thing. It was just the idea in general that the Academy values so highly portraying characters that, that we like are real people that we know or have like visual records of. And it's like half the performance is just like, ooh, they look like that person, or that, or they did a good job pulling that person off. Mm. Okay, like, because I feel like this is like a, a soft-spoken attack on Meryl Streep, but like, Meryl Streep is great, but she does easily half half of her filmography or movies that I'm never going to go see. Like, I'm sure she's fantastic. I'd never want to see a movie about Maggie Thatcher. Unless she's played by Jillian Anderson, which is a real is that like weird. your kink? Is it not your kink? Okay, huh. readjust your kink, sir. <laughs> well, let's circle back to a question I asked you earlier. If you okay. could uh, take a pill and forget something or someone, would you? And what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. Um. I feel like there's probably things from my childhood that I would love to forget. I don't think that's so crazy. It's not so alien. So you you would definitely take it. You wouldn't be like, no, I need all my memories. Well, I don't know, man. I'd like I'd love to like try like the safe mode version, see what it looks like. <laughs> I think about fucking with your memories though is you don't know. You take that that when you pull on that string of the tapestry. When you pull on the sweater as a person's walking away, you know what does that leave you? Uh, I'm kind of curious. Because, I mean, it's on what day of the week you catch me. Like, I'm sure there's times in my life where I'd be like, I'd forget my father, you know? And it's like, who the hell would I be then? I don't know, you know? Um, but I can't think of anyone, like, in the last 15-plus years that I would necessarily... No, 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 specific person. Okay. What about, what about you? I think Are I you going to have... say, say me, you son of a bitch? Wouldn't that be the greatest way to end the podcast? This is how you get to tears? Oh, that would be such a twist. <laughs> Who did I forget? You in the pod. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. I think I would have to do it. I don't know. It, it would be too neat of an opportunity. I guess not neat. to. I mean. I mean. There's like a, brain that's neat. <laughs> there's a. There's a philosophical idea that like if you erase your memories are essentially erasing part of yourself. It's like killing yourself almost. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I think I would have to do it. I wouldn't want to forget a person. I think it would be kind of neat to see like, what would I be like if I could erase 
the time I worked at the casino because I feel like oh. that job made me just kind of like a, a harder, meaner, like harsher person uh, by necessity. And I wonder what I would be like if I was still a nice guy. Wouldn't that devour a lot of your friendship of peanut? That's the, the wrinkle there. Yeah. I don't know how that would work out. Which would, oh, granted, it's memory. So it's not like it's time travel. But that would be hard for Peanut, you know, who relied on you during. I don't think I would forget her, but but I would still forget just a, a see, lot of okay, interactions. But there. here's yeah. here's one thing about a breakup too. I've had the breakups where it's like it was very hard for me to get over, you know, and I've had the breakups where it's like I was in touch with that intellectual part. Was like, well, this is probably for the best. I'll get over this. But when you that that race, the game that you play, and you got to play games because you got to know who's winning. Where the other person is like, "No, I'm fine. I'm over you. I'm great now." Like the that that feeling like you never mattered. That's the hard mm. part, you know. That's hard for anyone, regardless if it's like a romantic relationship or a friendship. Would you be? Would you feel better or worse if you found out the other person had their memory of you erased? That would be brutal. That would be that would be very hard. That would be very hard to to deal with. Um, and I feel like I've known people who've done that. <laughs> um, I feel like I know uh, more than a few people who probably erased all memories of me and they're loving it. They're living in their best life because of it. So, you know what? That's that's the cross I bear. Hmm. Um, I was watching a, a Renegade Cut video about this movie, which was interesting because it was talking about how, like, obviously the movie references... Uh, um, but the guy doesn't want to get cut. It, it, it like, references really what? the philosopher. You should, you should references Nietzsche. Okay. Sorry. The movie references Nietzsche, but the guy doing the renegade cut video is like the, the philosopher you should really talk about here is Schopenhauer. And there's a great quote from quote from Schopenhauer, which I'm just going to paraphrase where he's talking about, there's no pleasure in life that, that isn't outweighed by the pain of losing it. Um, and, uh, he has this great bit where he like clarifies that how to, that's true, where if the reader wishes to see shortly whether this statement is true, let him compare the respective feelings of two animals, one of which is engaged in eating the other. Okay. That's been flashing in my mind since uh, we started sounds, recording. Sounds like maybe you have to watch the YouTube video for that. Yeah, well, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Good luck. I'm making a hand gesture that's very dismissive. Um, is it a yeah. jerk-off gesture? No, no, no. It's that one that the it's the kind of downturn jazz fingers where I'm just shooing you away. It's that mm-hmm. one. Oh, okay. I wish I had a gif of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I could find one. Um Yeah, so I mean it's an experiment that I would be interested in trying, the uh, erasing a memory or a person. I don't know that I would necessarily just willy nilly pull the trigger. But don't you don't you know what I mean? Like wouldn't you love to see like a beta version that you could rewind? I just wonder like what if you did something crazy and you're just like my parents? You know, like what would that be like? Like I said, I don't know who I would be. Like what? Not that I want to, but like, what would be left of your memory? You know. I was gonna say, you know, your family listens to this too. That's really. I'm rude. not saying I want to erase my parents. I'm just wondering, just, psychologically, just, what that would do to a person. You're just like my sister, who specifically listens to my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> just dragging you at the end of it. No, I yeah, I, I, I guess I'd be curious, to like the simulation version of that. I don't know if I'm willing to commit because I. How can I even? gauge you know what i mean like i don't know is this a bad time for me to tell you that you actually had a twin who died and you had that memory erased did i eat them did i absorb them in the womb when did they die <laughs> do i have their powers am i stronger now because they're no. dead 
Oh, I mean, it would explain a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till you finish the Eliza's. Um, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, next week on the pod, continue. Oh, do we want to talk about Cold Pursuit at all? Not really. I don't know what else is left to say about that stupid movie. I'm not kidding. Like I, I walked out of that movie thinking like this could be a headcanon movie someday. I have no real desire to watch that movie again. To be honest, I just to I, me, I just slotted in with I, every other bad attempt at a black comedy that doesn't pull it off. It's literally a movie in which you watch a dog taking a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next week is probably the most romantic movie in our movie of romance. Number four, which is, uh, well, shall we remain nameless? It's very, very romantic. Uh, Can I say what's not on this list? Sure. High Fidelity is not on this list, you guys, and that was one I was really pulling for. Maybe I'm I mean, if we could extend it to six weeks, I think we'd have to add High Fidelity in uh, 500 Days of Summer. Mm, mm. But next week. Closer. A little film called Closer Stalling. Jude Law. Julia Roberts. Is this, that mm-hmm. going to be your first time on the pod? It might be. Might be. I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, yeah, Natalie Portman and Clive Owen. Mm-hmm. It's almost a play. It is a play. It literally was a play. It was a play. It's a movie. It's a yeah. play adapted to the movie. It's a quirky little romantic comedy. It's got a fun Randy Newman soundtrack. Lots of laughs. It's very romantic. Yeah. Very lighthearted. It's very sweet, right? It's very, it's almost, it's almost so sweet. It'll give you a toothache or rot all your teeth out. This is another literally. movie I've seen once all the way through. And then a lot of other times in pieces. Cause peanut would always put this on when she's feeling depressed. Oh, Peanut, I get that. Mm-hmm. I've watched scenes in this movie a lot of times. I've loaded scenes from that movie into a chamber like they were bullets a lot of times. All right. Well, this should be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll get back to closer next week. Uh, until then, have a good one. Peace be with you.